Hello everyone, my name is Cami Mondo and I'm the editor-in-chief of The Forum. You're listening to Behind the Ballot, a political podcast introducing you to the candidates running for Utah's statewide and congressional offices. In each episode, we'll be talking with different candidates to find out more about their campaign platforms, specifically addressing the issues college students care about the most. Today you'll be hearing an exclusive interview with Greg Scordis, the Democratic candidate for Utah's Attorney General. It is one of the two statewide races we will see up for election this year, in addition to the governor's race. Scordis will face incumbent Sean Reyes, who has held the seat since 2013. Scordis has an extensive background in law, serving as both a public defender and private practitioner throughout his career. He spent a great deal of time working in law, representing Utahns in every county in the state. During this time, he spent several years as the head of the Special Victims Unit, teaching at police academies, and working pro bono for everyday Utahns. Today you'll hear Scordis talk about the issues that he's focusing on in his campaign. Watching the office over the last few years, Scordis says there are things he'd like to see change so that the government is working for the people rather than just bending to those in power. At the time of this interview, Attorney General Sean Reyes declined to be interviewed with the forum until after the November election. A disclaimer before we get started, some portions of the interview had to be edited out for time constraints, but you can read the full unedited interview with Greg Scordis on our website, wcforummedia.com. I know that some people have been reporting on and saying that the attorney general's race isn't getting as much attention this year just because of the open governor's seat, but there's still quite a bit of action going on. Um, It's kind of been a bit of more contentious race, a little bit more so before the primaries, but I was really interested in hearing what prompted you to run for office. Years ago, I worked at the Salt Lake County District Attorney's Office, which is sort of the county's equivalent to the Attorney General's Office. And I was a prosecutor there for eight years, and I was actually the administrator of that office. My last year there, I was what was called a chief deputy. So I really came to love public service, believe it or not, I really did. And I left there and went into private practice thinking I would never go back into public service. But I've really been disappointed with some things that have happened in the Attorney General's office. And I don't mean just under the current administration, but under the last three administrations, there's a culture there that in the legal community, it's, we call it pay for play, where individuals who are taking advantage of Utah consumers can avoid scrutiny of that office simply by making large campaign contributions. And that's, that's just offensive to me. That's really problematic to me. Another thing that happened that got me into it, Utah voters in 2018 passed three ballot initiatives, Propositions 2, 3, and 4. The reason why voters pass ballot initiatives is because the legislature is not doing something that the people want them to do. Without really going in too deeply into all three of them, I'll just point to one of them. It was Proposition 3, which was to expand Medicaid in Utah. It wasn't to socialize medicine as a lot of Republicans have tried to paint the Democrats. You know, it was, and it was a voter initiative. It was bipartisan. It wasn't a Republican or Democratic thing. But it would have allowed for an additional 100,000 Utahns to have some level of medical insurance. The legislature's done nothing in years to help that along. And our attorney general has actually done worse. He's joined a lawsuit with several other attorneys general throughout the country to do away with the Affordable Care Act, to have it declared unconstitutional. Meaning, not only would we not have coverage to those people, but we would take coverage. 
take healthcare coverage away from tens of thousands of Utahns at a time when there's a pandemic, when we need health insurance more than we probably have ever needed it in this country. And I just can't sit back and say, oh, that's really bad. We shouldn't do that. So I'm running because we need somebody in that office that will pay attention to what Utah voters and what Utah citizens want. And it feels like um, you mentioned the past three administrations kind of doing the same dealings and donations. It almost feels like the office can be prone to some of those decisions, like you mentioned. So how would you ensure that you wouldn't fall in trap to those kinds of things? It, it's actually systemic in our whole political system. Utah needs to change our campaign finance laws. There's two things that will shock you. One, for a race like mine, and it's not just the attorney generals, but for other races, there are no limits. If somebody came into my office tomorrow and said, Greg, here's $200,000, I can take it. And two, this is the weirdest thing. If I don't spend it on the campaign, I can stick it in my pocket. That's, that's just weird. National campaigns, they're very strict on, on what you can do, what you can pay, and how much you can be involved in. And even some local campaigns, like the county and the cities. I could give you 20 examples of people just like that who gave a boatload of money to the attorney general this administration or prior to who probably could or should be in prison and the attorney generals look the other way because they're getting these huge sums of money. So I haven't answered your question very well, but we need to stop that. We need to say campaign finance has to be very regulated and it has to be very limited and how much a person can donate. Then we got into some of the issues college students care about. On Scordis's website, he mentions that his campaign focuses on three issues, protecting consumers, the environment, and healthcare. And so the environment and healthcare are actually two of the top issues among college students, especially the ones I talked to before doing this interview. So I wanted to see exactly how you would prioritize two of those things, the healthcare and then the environment, if you were elected. First, we talked healthcare. Over the last several elections, this has been at the forefront of different candidates' campaigns. Especially now, amid a pandemic, college students and other voters alike are prioritizing candidates who they say will protect them. That's a good question. So, so healthcare is what I talked about at the beginning to make sure that Utah's Proposition 3 is enacted and say, okay, Utah voters have said more Utahns need to have healthcare. So let's figure out how to do that. The legislature said, well, it was underfunded and, and it was funded by a 15 cent per $100 tax increase. In other words, 0.15% tax increase. You go spend $100 at the store, you're going to spend an extra 15 cents before you leave in taxes to help this. The legislature said it's not enough money. So instead of enacting what the voters wanted, they, they did nothing. So maybe it should be 18 cents. You know, maybe it should be 20 cents. Let's figure out how to do it. Instead of suing the administration to do away with the Affordable Care Act, a lot of the far right don't like the Affordable Care Act. And, and I understand that. But we need some level of health insurance. Instead of throwing out the, the baby with the bathwater, so to, so to speak, let's say, okay, if you don't like the Affordable Care Act, rather than just sue and do away with it, let's propose an alternative. Let's talk about what does work. How, how are we going to keep 100,000 Utahns insured tomorrow that are not insured today? Especially young people like you, there's not health insurance readily available. I mean, it's great for me. I, I have a law firm. All my employees have health insurance. I can afford that. I pay for it for all my employees. I always have and I always will. But that's not available to everyone else. And people who have children who, who have disabilities, even children who reach a certain age and aren't necessarily available for insurance under their parents' current coverage can get a different level of coverage through the Affordable Care Act. So let's just figure out how to do it. 
Then we got into the environment. College students and younger generations have become increasingly vocal on climate change, as they argue they are the generation to deal with the most drastic effects. Throughout 2019, the world saw hundreds of protests of students walking out of their schools and marching for increased action against climate change. The second question you had was about the environment. I mean, that's near and dear to me, but again, it's, it's another issue that maybe separates the, the right from the left a little bit. I'm a hiker, I'm a biker, I'm a mountain biker. I have a broken leg right this second from a mountain bike ride on the 24th of July. <laughs> but I enjoy the outdoors. I've enjoyed it my whole life. I've, I've worked on, on the National Ski Patrol for 35 years. I worked at Park City for 30 years and I just spent my fifth year at Powder Mountain. Our seasons are not anything like they were 35 years ago. Our snowpack is nowhere near where it was 35 years ago. We used to be open on Halloween. We were always open at Thanksgiving. Last year, we barely opened by Christmas. That's just one sign of the fact that we're not taking care of our environment. We're in a horrific drought right now in Utah, a horrible drought. Nobody seems to care. And that situation is going to get so much worse. We, we don't recycle. We don't pay attention to the environment. We set aside tens of thousands of acres of national land uh, several years ago through the uh, Clinton administration, Escalante, through the Obama administration, Bears Ear, and the new administration came in and wiped out huge parts of both of that. We should put so much more emphasis on that before it's too late. And by the way, we're almost at the tipping point now where it will be too late that our children, our grandchildren will never forgive us. And, and I don't ever want to be in that position to be saying, well, we wish we'd have done something earlier. So yeah, that's, it's time to do something about that. Finally, we got into police reform and racial justice. At the time of our interview, protests were still taking place every day across the country for the last three and a half months. In his desired position, Scordis could have a direct hand in how these things are dealt with. And so across the country, in some states, the state attorney generals have been outspoken on the federal response, sending federal troops into some states, something that shouldn't be done. Um, I was curious what your thoughts were on the widespread protests, how you would, if at all, represent the protesters, that kind of thing. So my answer might surprise you a little bit. And, and let me preface it by saying this. One of the things that I do in the spirit of full disclosure is I represent two of the largest police unions in the state. I'm an attorney and I get called out by police officers when they're involved in officer-involved shootings. And I've done that for 30 years. I'm a, an attorney for the police. And so I'll never say defund the police, but I, I'll surprise a lot of people by saying we need police reform. There's a real way to do that that makes a lot of sense. And, and I know your question was about, about the protests. I wrote an article that was published in the Salt Lake Tribune a couple weeks ago that where I said, maybe some of these violent protests we should have seen coming. Maybe this is a slap in the face that we all need. I mean, I don't, I don't advocate for violent protest, not at all. But I marched with the BLM group. The public defenders had a BLM march and I was proud to be there. I stood with police uh, when they said, Greg, come talk to us about where this is headed. Where, where, what does police reform look like? But, but I mean, I don't support what's going on when the, I, I drive by the Salt Lake County District Attorney's Office and see windows broken out and spray paint all over. But as I sat and thought about it more, I thought, well, maybe this is just society's sort of wake-up call. And maybe if we can do something now, we can prevent those protests from getting worse or from getting more often. And we'll all understand that Black Lives Matter, that police reform is something we need to think about. It's just something systemic in, in all of us uh, that we just have some inherent 
racism. And I mean, there, anybody who says they don't is not telling the truth. But I think if we do more training with police officers, we in, incorporate more diversity in our law enforcement community, top to bottom, uh, that'll make a difference. The communities that feel like they're underrepresented right now will feel more like, you know, they're included. Just because I don't know, I don't know if anybody else listening may know, but does the Attorney General have a lot to do with that police reform? Like, would you, if you were elected, would you have a big part in that kind of reform? I think the Attorney General can do something that we're not currently doing, and that is sit down with the legislature and say, look, here's where we should go. Here's how laws should be. Here's how we can do that so that it's constitutional, so that it's legal, so that it's fundable, that's something we can all afford, and propose legislation that makes sense. I mean, the Attorney General is the attorney for the people, but also, I think, should represent law enforcement community. Civic groups should really sit down with the legislature and say, here's where we're going in this country. Here's how the laws should be. Here's how to protect the citizens. Here's how to avoid violent protests in the future. There are no police agencies in Utah that support chokeholds, for example. I mean, that's some, some national groups do. That's not a problem in Utah. But like a police officer who, who continues to violate the law, violate policies, have it be a little easier for that officer to be disciplined or reprimanded instead of and again, I told you I represent police unions. They're very powerful, and it's almost impossible to get rid of a bad police officer, just as it's hard to get rid of a bad lawyer or a bad teacher. But when some people do things that are inappropriate, we should, we should be able to get them away from people where they can continue to cause harm. Finally, I asked Gordis why college students should vote in this election and why this race that has been shooed from the spotlight is one that Utahns should watch. Final question, kind of wrapping up, final sentiments on why this particular race matters and why college students and even just the general public of Utah should be paying attention and should vote in this race. Yeah, and you you drew on that earlier, Cami, and it was a good question because you said we're kind of a race that's not really looked at. You know, Utah has not had very much balance. We haven't had a statewide Democrat elected in this state since 1996. That was the last time a statewide Democrat was elected. What's happened as a result of that is that we have a super majority, that there is no checks and balances, and that we are in the position we're in right now in Utah, like I said, with campaign problems and with, and with the fact that voters can pass a ballot initiative and the legislature can say thanks, but no thanks. I mean, that, that just shouldn't happen. So I, this is one of the races that I think is important because it's a way to create some balance so that when we have a Republican president come in, for example, who wants to do away with our public lands, that somebody stands in the way and says, wait a minute, that's not what the Utah voters want to have happen. We really need some balance. And, and I think I bring that. I'm not some far left, take your guns away, you know, socialize medicine and I keep I keep getting pigeonholed into those sort of areas because that's an easy thing to do. I've been in Utah all my life. I share Utah values. I think that I represent the values of most Utahns. And I think that most Utahns feel like there should be some balance. And this is a year when we can do that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again for joining me, talking with me and answering all these questions. Um, I really appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. It was fun. You're, you guys are great. And I, I love your school. So thanks so much. Thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Behind the Ballot, a podcast introducing you to candidates so they are more than just a name in an envelope. Read the full profile on Greg Scordis on our website, wc4media.com. And make sure to check out our social media for the latest updates, at wc4media on all platforms. 
In our next and final episode, we'll be talking to Congressman Ben McAdams, the lone Utah Democrat seeking to defend his seat in the 4th Congressional District. See you next time.